pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left. We are a video game radio show and we're broadcasting from the Moscone Centre in San Francisco. My name is Steve Curran. I'm Simon Byron. And I'm Anne Scantlebury. And for the next hour, and a bit probably, we've got some amazing guests. And that's all down to you, isn't it, Anne? It is. Do you know what? I've been uh, promoted to producer this year. And do you know what a producer does? Tell me. Sends out all of the emails. (laughs) Uh, it's, It's been great. How have you found it? Because um, I normally deal with the guests. I deal with the talent. How's it been for you this year? It's been great. I've had really nice conversations with everyone. Everybody has been gen- generally very, very lovely. So, um, so we should set the scene. Right now we're looking out on the hall of the Moscone. If you can hear some noise in the background, like some men shouting. That's Charles Cecil asking for a drink. <laughs> that's actually an arcade that's right next to us. It's a classic games arcade. Yeah, so we're overlooking the floor. Uh, it's day two of, the, of GDC, although it's not. GDC hasn't started properly yet, has it? Have you been, been to any me? sessions yet? So? I did. I went to one yesterday on how to build a billion-dollar games brand. And are you rich? Yeah. <laughs> Seems really straightforward. What you have to do is you have to enlist the services of the guys that were on the panel. Oh, okay. (laughs) Brilliant. Uh, We are not alone today. This is One Life Left versus Gama Sutra, so we have a representative from Gama Sutra. It isn't Chris Graft. Who is it? It's Mike Rose. Hello. Hello, Mike Rose. How are you? I'm okay, thank you very much. What's your bedroom like? My bedroom is fairly uh, medium size. have Have you been in Chris's bedroom? No, I haven't. You should go in Chris's bedroom. We oh, were really? there yesterday. Yeah. It, it was magnificent. And actually, you can hear what happened there in the show uh, that we recorded. GDC 2014, show one. This is show two. Mike, are you having a nice GDC so far? Yeah, it's been all right. I'm a little bit jet-lagged, um, which is a new thing to me. I've never been jet-lagged before, but it's uh, the show itself is, uh, is fairly nice. Yeah. What's the best thing that's happened to you so far? Oh, wow. Uh, I just saw a talk from uh, Alex Bruce on uh, Antichamber, like an hour-long talk, and that was pretty emotional. He was sort of going through the last eight years of his life and 
he kind of got a bit choked up partway through it, and yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. I struggled with antechamber; <laughs> like, oh, just yeah. absolutely baffled me. I mean, yeah. I, I I I appreciate that was the point of it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, so when you... I, I didn't realise you were doing a session, but I can just imagine that you'd sort of walk in and then all the chairs and stuff would revolve and you'd be stuck there forever. That's exactly what happened, okay. yeah. No, I, I actually... I, I get exactly what you're talking about. I never finished the game. Right. I got about three quarters of the way through it and just couldn't do it anymore. Okay. So, um, yeah. We should get on with the show, really, because our guests are queuing up. It's Alex Wiltshire. Hello. Hello, Alex. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. It's always lovely to see you. It is. It's, 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 it's genuinely lovely long. to see you. Uh, yeah, no, uh, we, uh, when we were setting up, there you were, and you, and you, you lit up the hall. So how's it going? I'm, I'm very well. I'm, I'm also in the jet lag wall, but okay. I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Right, uh, our tips for dealing with jet lag is just to go out and get drunk. Step as late as you can, do some karaoke, uh, and then it will all be fine. So what are you up to these days? Because things have changed for you since we spoke last, haven't yeah. they? So I used to be, I used to be the editor of um, Edge magazine. And that uh, wasn't enough for you, was it? No, it wasn't enough. I, I needed more. <laughs> right. I need, I mean... Yeah, I needed a lot more. Right. And, uh, and uh, so I do more things now. And I do, um, I work for Hello Games. I do sort of sort of uh, PR and marketing and things for them, uh, which has been pretty exciting over the past year. And then uh, I've also been working with the V&A Museum, um, which is kind of one of the reasons why I'm here uh, uh, this week. Okay. So, t- so let's talk about Hello Games, uh, first of all. Um, They've had a pretty good 2014, haven't they? It's been it's been exciting. It's been dynamic. So were you you were involved in the announcement at, um, at the, the VGA? The VGAs. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Were yeah. you expecting such a such an overwhelming reaction to the uh, No Man's Sky trailer or the um, unveil? I don't I don't think so. I think I, I think that instinctively we knew that it was going to be pretty special. We hoped you know you know where hopes and expectations are always difficult to figure out what exactly you felt, but. Um, we hoped for a lot, but it like it was just insane what actually happened. How did it come about? Because what I found unusual about it was that um, I mean, Hello Games, Joe Danger, that's I mean, very well known, very uh, well loved. But historically at the VGAs, the, the the game premieres have been huge triple A's from the established studios and stuff like that. And for No Man's Sky to suddenly pop up, I mean, had so, so how did that come about? It was Jeff Keighley really? He um, so he and Sean Murray, who's the the founder of um, uh, Hello Games. Uh, had always been in touch, um, you know, sporadically over the years. I think Keely really liked Joe Danger. Right. Uh, obviously, you know, Joe Danger probably isn't a VGA an- announcement game, but uh, but they stayed in touch. And um, and Sean said, well, maybe we've got something we can talk about. Wow. And um, and we told Jeff about it, and he uh, and he said, yes, I'd like that. On, on That's funny, isn't it? Because Jeff, I mean, I've I've never met Jeff, but he's much. He's been much derided over the past sort of 18 months about the whole Doritos stuff um, and he was over in London last week interviewing Hideo Kojima right. um, but people seem to talk about him as if like he's a comical figure now and actually he, people seem to, I mean, it'd be good if they knew that he was involved in helping yeah, No Man's Sky to sort of take yeah, to the global he's stage he's a serious figure I think what I mean it's interesting I mean I think that it's, it's easy to confuse uh, his he wants to bring games to a like a really popular stage, and which gamers do not want? Which today? <laughs> we want them for no, ourselves. Exactly, yeah. Jeff, stop <laughs> telling people about our games. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so uh, and uh, you were affected by flooding over Christmas. Yep. Yeah. So the, yeah, that was um, that was also exciting. Like right. that was um, that was almost exactly like it was over Christmas. So it was like three weeks after the VGA's announced, and uh, 
Couldn't have yeah. come at a better time then. It was yeah, ideal, really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did wonder whether there was a game in that sort of iOS swipe your belongings away from the impending flood, <laughs> try and quickly back up all the software that you've created over the last few months. Might have been a bit close to home. <laughs> so when, uh, when, when can we see a bit more on No Man's Sky? Uh, later this year. Okay, you're not showing anything and, here? No, we're... Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a funny game because um, I think a lot of games you, you can build something and show it, you know, if you're kind of, you know, you can sort of make a, a vertical slice. Right, yes. Slice. yes. yes. Yeah, Alex, can you, can you tell us briefly about what, why you're here for the VNA as well? Yeah, I, I'd love to, yeah. <laughs> we, um, so, so over the past year I've been working with VNA because um, VNA, like, as like a, the, the UK's kind of preeminent design museum, uh, hasn't really ever represented games before. I, I, it has in its collections uh, a Sega Mega Drive <laughs> and Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, which is a good start. I've got I, a Dreamcast I can borrow. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but but basically, you know, as an institution, it is actually interested in games, and now it's go, it it really wants to start representing games properly, and um, and so uh, the BNA came to me to ask me to, to 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 kind of help them sort of try to find their way to start with, and. Uh, I'm involved in a couple of projects. The first is like a research thing called Games in the Museum, uh, which is like an 18-month project um, in association with Abate uh, University. Uh, and um, it's basically uh, trying to figure out how you exhibit and how you collect games, um, which is kind of, kind of quite a t- t- tricky question. Well, you could ask uh, Steve and I, actually, because we've, we've curated uh, an installation at the Tate Modern, didn't we? At, at Tate Britain, At Tate actually. Britain, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Tate <laughs> Britain. Good. Yeah, we did that for a night, and we got paid £150 each for it, so... <laughs> There's money in this. Yeah. <laughs> so, who, said, who knew? Yeah, what did we put on? We put on uh, Heavy Rain. I remember that, showing that to a did. baffled audience. Like, <laughs> push X to Jason, and... Uh, Are you sure Batman Arkham Asylum? We did, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Batman, you sh- uh, showed Chime? I did. I took that opportunity <laughs> yeah. to curate my own game <laughs> that, so, yeah. so I could tell people oh yeah I've been exhibited at the Tate right exactly <laughs> <laughs> I've exhibited me at the Tate yeah so can we expect to see similar events yeah so um, actually the VNA uh, they, they, are, they have on the last Friday of every month they have uh, uh, an evening uh, pro- uh, sort of um, event and uh, a few months ago they did they, they had a Minecraft event right uh, which, which, which was incredibly popular loads and loads of people attended um, they had uh, uh, Jens Bergerson there in conversation cool. and so that, that went really nicely and there's like a, a, a like a really popular way to sort of start all this off um, and there's a uh, so yeah I mean it, and then the, the, the second thing that, that I'm involved with is um, there's a, an exhibition coming a major exhibition um, in a few years time in a few years 2017, which is kind wow. of terrifying. Take your time. Well, good luck with that. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank Always a pleasure much. to see you. It does sound what you're doing is being better than the editor of Edge, so... Uh, yeah.
you're listening to One Life Left broadcasting live from GDC 2014. Wow, what, what a man Alex is, ex-editor of Edge, and then moving on to bigger and better things. Yeah, I, I, and presumably he's not finished yet. <laughs> so what next? Well, um, we did learn yesterday, we talked to the guy from CCP, who appears to be a god. <laughs> so maybe that's next step for Alex, Excellent. I don't know. Yes. And No Man's Sky is that kind of game, isn't it? Do you think that was their plan all along? Maybe, right, maybe, okay. maybe. Devious guys, hello games. Anyway, we have some new guests, don't we? Uh, why don't you lean into the mic and introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Bennett Foddy uh, of Foddy.net and Co-op fame, and also at NYU now as well. It's exciting. And we, we talked to you last year as well, didn't we, Bennett? Yep. So we've got a bit of catching up to you mm-hmm. to do. And uh, Chris. Hi, I'm, I'm Chris Cornell uh, from Paper Dino Software. I made a game called Save the Date. Exciting. So, um, who should we talk to first? Anne, you're in charge of guests. You tell us where we're going. Hey, Bennett, what's going on? Uh, I don't know. I'm just hanging out at GDC. We're uh, showing off our game. It's almost done, Sports Friends. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's can you talk us through the game? So, Sports Friends is, is a compilation. It's like an indie Wii Sports uh, that's got a game by me and three of my good indie friends. We've got Johann Sebastian Joust, Hokra, Barabari Ball, and my game is Super Pole Riders, and we've rolled them all together into one package. Um, I didn't meet you last year. I was off getting married. Hello, I'm Simon. Hello. Um, I'm an investor in yours, uh, <laughs> and actually I'm, I'm pleased you're here because uh, I'd like to change the format that it's being delivered on. Is that possible? Oh, yeah, what would you like to change it to? Can I have it, it on to? PlayStation 4, please? Yes. Hi, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. So you were kickstarted, uh, when was it, so maybe a year ago? That's right. Something like that? Yeah, yep, yep. You raised... Uh, it was quite, quite tense in the last it few days, wasn't it? It didn't look like we were going to do it. And uh, then there were lots of support from prominent people in the industry, and, you know, yeah. I mean, I was there. Yeah. Steve, did you back it? I did back it. Excellent. And I'd like to change the format, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, we were really stressed about it. It didn't look like we were going to make it. And then, and, you know, there was this huge community poll. And we got some coverage on Reddit. And we just scraped in. But Excellent. Thankfully, we did budget things correctly. And uh, it's going to get finished so just about done. We're probably going to submit in the next couple of weeks. So um, it'll be the first time that Johann Sebastian Janssen sort of properly released is that right yes that's that's exactly right this is really the first any kind of release public release for joust fantastic um and so how's it been the so you guys all working together has there been much interaction in yeah it's it's been interesting it's it's a it's a new model i think it's a new model of development um it's it's more like a rock and roll band uh <laughs> well it's, it's even better than that in a way it's so we've got hanging out and and being around friends and being organized together and having all the bureaucracy to do together and uh but we all have creative control over our own components so it's uh, you know one level i don't have any of the downsides in working in a group but we have all of the upsides i know a lot of people have said kickstarter is a dangerous platform for video game developers because budgets can spiral you said you've just about got the math right i think we did get it right uh, i think Many people would have pitched a much lower target uh, on on their Kickstarter for this project. Um, we were very conservative, and it's come out just about on the on the money. Okay, and uh, your and your ship date? How's your ship date matched with the? Uh, yeah, not at all. <laughs> Jordan Mechner was just saying yesterday on Twitter that uh, games always slip by two of the smallest unit that's used to describe the release date. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we we said fall. Uh, 2013 and we've missed by two seasons so uh, that's about right I think he's he's, (laughs) maybe that's the norm Chris can you tell us a little bit about your game 
Um, well, actually, that's a problem that I've been wrestling with for <laughs> for a little while now. It's kind of a game that doesn't really lend itself well to to describing. But it, I guess it's I, a good job you're on a radio show doing just that. Then, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes, this really demonstrates my the, the careful planning and foresight that really is has been a highlight of my career. Um, I guess I'd say it's a it's a visual novel. It's about a lot of things, and it's hard to really describe what they are without ruining a lot of the experience. And it is an experience. I have to I have to reassure anyone listening to this that I'm not just messing with you. There is a point to it. It's a point that I personally think is really cool. I'm biased, but but it's not obvious. And telling you about it in advance will completely ruin what it's about. I mean, I guess it's sort of like trying to describe trying to describe something like Stanley Parable, the same kind of thing. It's like you can say. It's a game that will hopefully make you think and maybe make you look at things a little bit differently after you play it. And certainly, that's what I've tried to make it be. But I can't really tell you how, how or why because then it, it just completely ruins the surprise, which I'm kind of counting on to, to make you think that way. What color is it? A lot of blue. <laughs> oh, it's very blue, and it smells faintly of strawberries. <laughs> this is one of those games that really got a huge amount of buzz with indie developers, you know, on Facebook and so on. Everyone was suddenly, like, out of nowhere, was talking, saying, oh, you have to go and play this, you have to go and play this. And, it, you know, I think uh, it made a huge splash amongst other developers. Mike, have you seen it? I have not yet, no. Ex- describe it to me. Um, well, <laughs> all right. I think... As established, that's tricky, but... I, I want the best description you can. Okay. I'm not taking over an answer. All right, all right. It is a game about that really deals with some of the hardest things that we have to deal with as human beings. It really makes you answer some of the hardest questions that really anyone can answer. And probably the hardest one is what to have for dinner. <laughs> that's an important that, question. That's, the, that's sort of the capstone that everything is like yeah, yeah. depending upon. But yeah, it was actually it was pretty cool. Like I, there was that that amazing like summer where suddenly everyone started talking about it, and that was really valuable for me and kind of cool for me because up until then I wasn't really sure. Like I'd been introducing it to friends kind of sheepishly. Like I made this thing; it's really experimental. I'd love to know what you think about it, but it's experimental, and you don't have to like it, and that's okay. And so seeing all these people who I really respect and who I really like think are wonderful people and. You know, working in the same space, say, "Oh, this is neat. You guys should look at this." That was incredibly affirming, and that was when I kind of finally started to believe, like, "Oh, okay, maybe I did make something kind of cool here." Then. So, Chris, are you finding GDCs treating you like a rock star? <laughs> well, it's certainly very different. I mean, like everyone, I imagine. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I, I'm the only one with the dreams of delusions of grandeur, but. Um, you know, I often show up to GDC and I'm thinking things like, man, look at all these awesome things. Like, I'd love to make something that people enjoyed and, and have the same situation. So this is, this is the first GDC where I've been here and I got to be a presenter this year. I've had people come and tell me that they like my game and they're complete random strangers. And I don't know about Rockstar, but I'm certainly enjoying this year a lot. It's, it's not doing... It, 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 I'll probably need a good ego puncturing later, but... Uh, <laughs> So now, pretty great. Um, Bennett, every year we try and sort of define what that GDC is, what it represents, try and look for a dominant theme. Have you noticed anything this year yet? I think it's interesting. There's, there's, it's like there's two GDCs. What? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, have we been invited to both of them? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they happen in the same place at the same time. But there is this GDC that is sort of... Uh, very social and it's very concerned with uh, games as a cultural medium and a cultural movement 
And then there's this other GDC that's industrial, and it's about uh, you know making uh, it's it's about making products and selling them. And those things sort of happen concurrently, and there's a little bit of interplay between them. But but that's I mean, you know, it was interesting though. I was talking to the to the curator of, of uh, digital work from the V&A Museum in London, and he was saying that's how it used to be for the teapot manufacturers as well. They would get together with their trade shows, and it was it was the same in decorative arts, just like it is in, in, in video games now. But it's it's interesting because people are here for sort of two different reasons, and there's not a lot of overlap all the time between the the people who are here. Another thing that came up on the show yesterday was that it's really hard to have an idea. <laughs> Simon was struggling with the idea that anyone could think of ideas. And the thing that you know we had recommended to us uh, was to take a shower. I, I don't know whether that was to do with ideas or just general life advice. Yeah, so what are you doing now? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is where I have most of my ideas. In the shower? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Chris, what about you? Fancy a shower? <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I no small number of ideas have come from the shower at this point. I mean, really, any of those kind of meaningless activities where you're waiting for something or, or stuck somewhere. I've gotten to the point where I carry a notebook with me whenever I go out on public transit or anything, just because I'll be sitting around waiting for a bus stop or something, and I'll be like, oh my word, what if there was a game about playing a tour guide in Area 51, and all, like, just so I can scribble it down, because... Yeah. Uh, can we have that one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I 10% royalty fee. <laughs> no, we negotiated with Vlambeer yesterday. Oh, really? No royalty, for, no royalty fees. We've Dang. just got the rights to Nuclear Throne. Well, that's pretty good. I, I can't argue with bears, so it's yours. <laughs> This is One Life Left versus Gama Sutra. We're in San Francisco, and it continues to be the most exciting thing in our lives. <laughs> We're at the, uh, the North Hall, uh, just by the escalators. So if you listen to the podcast as it goes up overnight, we're going to be here for the next couple of days. Uh, so do come, and, do come and wander past us and just sort of stare and think, what are those guys doing? Like, like most people seem to be up to at the moment, don't they? Look at that man just looking at it. <laughs> and now he's gone to the toilet. <laughs> I hope he washes his hands. I hope he washes his Chris hands. Chris Graft hopes he washes his hands too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, day two of GDC, uh, and we are delighted to have been joined by some more guests. Hello, can you introduce yourself, please? Hi, my name is Peter Trailer. Hello, Peter. Hi. Hi there, my name is Chris McLaughlin. Hello, Chris. For VK. For 
company called Vite in Japan, in Kyoto. Excellent. I was there uh, 10 days ago oh, in really? Kyoto. I was interviewed by school children. Gen- genuinely was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, they, and they, they then handed me slips of paper with uh, information about them afterwards, which I, I only realised afterwards that I might not have been supposed to have taken from them. <laughs> You've stolen their identities. Yeah, like, so they were like, oh, hello, my name is so-and-so, I, I like cats, I have a cat. What, it turns out that the English that they didn't know was uh, give us our pieces of paper back. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably don't want to ask for yeah. it back either. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great, great town. Uh, yeah. How did you end up there? Because you're not Japanese, are you? What? No, uh, neither uh, of you. I'm sorry uh, to break it to no. you. Chris is Japanese. I'm, I'm very white and Scottish. Right. <laughs> well, so very much like my, like my wife, we were, we were crossing... So we were y- used to um, people stopping us and saying, can you take our photo for us? And th- they'd hand us their camera or their photo. In Kyoto, uh, someone came up to us and said, photo? And we went, yeah, sure. And then the girl went and posed next to my wife and put her fingers up, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, sort of like the Japanese do, because they weren't used to seeing people like us. Yeah. <laughs> it was the most surreal thing I've ever heard. So, like, I wasn't sure whether it would be polite to have our pictures taken with them again and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, enough about my holiday. What, what are you guys up to over there? Oh, get, taking pictures with people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's pretty much what we do. The yeah. weird thing is we live there. So, okay. yeah, they, we, we're, we, we try to tell them we live there so it's like, don't take pictures of us anymore. Right. But we're not tourists. So you don't spend your days going up the monkey mountain and stuff like that? That's pretty much it. I think, yeah, that's all we do. Okay. That's, 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 that's literally all I would do. <laughs> there's, there's not much to do in Kyoto other than go to okay. temples. So what are you doing? What, what's, what, what, what's, uh, what's your jobs? Um, well, we're, we're making video games. We, we're working right now on our, it's just the two of us. Vita is a bigger company, but our company, our Finn company, two of us are working on our Oculus Rift game. Cool. We went to Bit Summit this year, and we took our game along, thinking it would be nice to see people play our game, um, see what people think about it. And we ended up winning the grand prize. Um, <laughs> Hate to when that happens. It, yeah. turns, <laughs> it happens to us all the time. Yeah. Turn up, people start giving us things. Yeah. It's, it's embarrassing, really, isn't it? We understand how you feel. Yeah, I can't really deal with it. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> so Thank can you, you tell you. us a bit about the game? Well, um, it's, it, it, it's a driving simulator. It's basically it's called the modern zombie taxi driver. Um, and it's bit, the whole idea is like... Um, Zombies are really like slow, and they want to go places. There's no more humans left in this world, and they they have kind of discovered the humans' things, and so they just kind of wanted to go to the pub and stuff. But um, uh, zombies are really slow moving around, and so there's a market there for a taxi driver, and that's that's where we come in. Um, we figured simulating that experience would be very important. <laughs> Actually, more like the zombies bouncing around inside your car is really dumb. And when you're wearing an Oculus Rift, it's even dumber because they end up leaning on your shoulder. And they really kind of invade your personal space in strange ways. It's actually quite uncomfortable. <laughs> it's quite terrifying. So uh, I was playing this yesterday, and, uh, and you said, look behind you, because you can't usually do that. And I looked behind me, and I was like, what the? There are zombies in my car. I don't, why are they there? And then I got the game. How was your first time with the, the Oculus Rift, Dan? It was amazing. It was so much fun. Um, I obviously felt sick afterwards. Yeah, that, you, you played it for about 30 seconds, I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's because I'm a terrible driver, though. Oh. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to drive. But yeah, it was really, like, really, really fun. And it seems like a good game that sort of, like, takes all of the stuff that it could provide on board and... The, uh, this is the interesting thing like the driver is holding a controller so when you look down you're holding the controller that you would you're actually holding yeah basically Chris and I have a very strong like um, any design decision we have to make we just say is this stupid and then if the answer is yes then we put it in and it's kind of the, the whole 
mantra for the whole game. Sounds like an excellent policy. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good luck with the game. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the North Hall of the uh, Moscone Centre, San Francisco. Uh, this is One Life Left. Uh, we're broadcasting live from GDC 2014. Uh, a man is just taking a photo of us. <laughs> Thanks very much for that. <laughs> Rising Star Games, exactly. Yeah. Big, uh, big shout out to Rising Star Games. Mike Rose is still here. Mike, how's it going? It's going all right. Good. Yeah. You enjoying yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm listening to the words. Okay, if there's anything that we can do to make your stay more comfortable, yeah. please do let, let us know. <laughs> do with a cushion. Okay. I... Are these chairs not good enough for you? I was thinking only yesterday that they are, they're, like, they're nice chairs, aren't they? They, they are nice chairs. They lean they're... back nicely. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen that no. before. No, best chairs at a conference American yet. technology these exactly. days. Exactly, excellent. memory phone. And who's, who's that? Oh, my name is Anna Kipnis. Hello, how are you doing? Good, I'm a senior gameplay programmer at Double Fine Productions. Excellent, it's nice to meet you. Thanks. Big fan of yours. Thank you for having me. And who, who, who are you next to? Oh, I'm Dave. Hello, Dave. I'm a, a game programmer, I guess. I, I guess. I work... Uh, Can we help you figure that out? <laughs> maybe, maybe. What, One day. What I'll do you do during working hours? Um, I'm the CTO at Play Canvas. Excellent. We make a game engine and tools. Right, thanks for coming on. Dave actually requested he come on the show Did he? Uh, <laughs> because he's a friend of the show and he's been on the show back in London um, so fair enough and also he's made the greatest video game of all time so <laughs> uh, yes and so I've got some numbers for you actually. oh have you? you interesting do you, do you want to hear some numbers oh we'd love game? to so we should catch our listeners our Gum Sutra listeners up that Dave actually was partly responsible for making a video game about One Life Left specifically about me greatest video game of all time <laughs> Uh, so it's called Going Around, and in it, uh, it's me getting ready for the show. And I have various tasks to uh, complete before I can leave the house. It's you, wonderful. You dropped your phone <laughs> in the toilet. I did. Very, very good. So what are these numbers, Dave? So um, I think when we were last on, we hadn't. It, it was made for a game jam called Ludum Dare. Ludum Dare. And um, it hadn't been judged when we were last on. So the results came in just after the show. Nervous. And uh, it, it came in at... 54th out of 780. Yay! Amazing. Greatest game of all time. You Great literally can't get time. better than 54. <laughs> and, uh, and the overall rating mm-hmm. was a high 7 out of 10. Excellent. Brilliant. 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 That's racing. That's perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much for making a game about Anne, and we look forward to the two sequels. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're working on those. So, Anna... You, you've been game jamming recently as well, haven't you? I have. We do a game jam called Amnesia Fortnite a Double Fine, where we kind of forget what we're doing. That's the amnesia part in Fortnite. It's two weeks where we uh, make, well, we pitch games. Then uh, people on the internet get to vote for which games you'd like to see made. And then we spend two weeks making them. And there's a documentary. You can kind of watch us, you know, making them. And it's, it's, it's an unusual process, isn't it? We saw Tim uh, talk about this at Nordic Game last year. And uh, he was explaining the rationale for, like, basically encouraging all staff to down tools. How does, it, how does that help you? Well, okay, so the first time we ever did this was back in 2008, and we had been working on Brutal Legend for, you know, like, years, years. And we were, I mean, we were super excited about the game, but there is... Um, you know, it's hard to sustain for a very long time. And so, but we had built an engine from scratch and we just kind of all wanted to see how, um, how that engine could make other games. And so Tim just decided like, okay, you guys have a creative break, spend two weeks just doing, you know, making games that are nothing like Real Legend and see like what we can get done. 
and it's just it kind of um, reset us creatively. Like we, yeah, we, you know, you get you get tired uh, of doing the same thing over and over again, but then suddenly you get to work on something completely different and interesting, and then. So, so yeah. does that make it difficult to go back to what you were doing? What if you were doing during the Amnesia Fortnight was 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 more fun? <laughs> well, actually, it makes you like if you're stuck on a problem, like you go back to whatever you were doing, and all of a sudden you just spend two weeks making a game, which is quite a. You know, game jams are pretty hectic, and um, you have to make your decisions really quickly, and you have to figure out solutions quickly. And so, if you were stuck on something, all of a sudden you're like, "Why was I? Why? What, what was? You know, what was I thinking before?" Obviously, the answer is this. You know, like you just figure it out really quickly. Excellent. And have you had any uh, full-blown titles that have uh, come out of these amnesia? We did actually quite a few of our titles that have come out, like such as Stacking, Costume Quest, uh-huh. Iron Brigade, uh, Middle Manager of Justice, um, Once Upon a Monster. They were all original. Actually, Hack and Slash and Space Base. Right. They're all original. Yeah, excellent. So, can you tell us a little bit about what you were working on this amnesia fortnight? So this year I actually pitched my own game and it's called Dear Leader and it's kind of um, kind of like a despot simulator where you play um, kind of as a Stalin-esque figure where you uh, you have ministers, there might be a traitor among them, you get to kind of um, create your own stamp that you, you know, you have these edicts uh, that you kind of get all of your work done like with and... Um, yeah, I don't want to give too much away. There's kind of a story there as well. But it was made with the same engine that we used to make Reds. Or, I'm sorry, Reds was the engine. Uh, Broken Age. Um, and so this was, again, kind of a similar thing where we used an engine that we created for another game to make a completely different game. And you um, you make them all available to play for charity. Is that right? Is it, did you do it through Humble? We did it through Humble, Yeah. Yes. How so, did that go? Yeah, it, was, it went great. I mean, it generated... Um, I, I don't remember. Actually, I haven't looked at the number, but you can still go and buy the prototypes, and then um, and you can watch the, all the documentaries on YouTube. They're just oh. for free. Uh, I'm going to ask you a personal question now. Any more uh, from the Happy Action Theatre stable? That's my. F- you're oh. the o- you're the only team that have uh, I think used the Connect camera to any great effect. My son is his favourite game. Oh. Uh, yes, but we I think we're we we uh, we would like some more stuff. So can you can you uh, any sign of those or can you get on with? Yeah. That? <laughs> well, you know what? I don't know if you have you heard that there's Connect Party, which is like the yes, sequel yes, to yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, but yeah. You, you have I, that I, one? I, Yeah, that struck me as a deal with Microsoft, and I refuse to acknowledge it by its official name. Oh. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Um, well, we, we the, the, the same team also made, well, part of the same team also made uh, the PlayStation Playroom toy. Oh, right, uh, yes, which uh, which my son also loves. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Well, well, we'll work on that. You're we'll, the best we'll with cameras, that. aren't you? Can, can you do some more content for that as well, actually? Because there's only so much yeah, to shake a duck out. And, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, We're One Life Left, a radio show about video games and Simon's personal vehicle <laughs> to get satisfaction from the video game industry. Excellent, thank you. And Dave, uh, how are you going to spend the rest of your show? Um, I'm working on a booth from Wednesday onwards, so okay. I'm going to be standing on my feet. Is that going to be fun? Demoing. It doesn't stuff. sound like fun. No, it's not no. going to be any fun at all. What are you going to be demoing? Uh, I'm demoing Play Canvas, running, okay. so our tools and everything running on tablets and computers and all kinds of stuff. Excellent.
welcome back to One Life Left live at GDC 2014. Uh, we've got two new guests. Well, one new guest and one retained guest. Uh, Anna's still with us. Hi. And uh, you've been joined by Winifred. Hello, Winifred. How are you? Doing very well. Excellent. Where are you from? Um, I'm actually from the New York City area. Okay. Yeah. And um, I'm here to uh, talk about uh, the book that I wrote, A Composer's Guide to Game Music. You're carrying a book, I noticed. Yes, of course, <laughs> I carry it everywhere. Right, okay, so A Composer's Guide to Game Music. Uh, so, yeah, tell us about that. Uh, yes, it's published by the MIT Press, and it's essentially a guide for um, composers and audio directors, people in the audio side of video game development, to understand the role that music has in the uh, video game experience and how music can best enhance immersion oh. And really make the video game uh, playing experience more fun and more involving. So what, what, what prompted you to write this book? Have you, have you had an interest in game music? Well, um, I am a video game composer. I've been in, um, in the industry for 10 years. I, I worked on God of War, Assassin's Creed Liberation, wow. um, uh, Spore Heroes, Sim Animals, Speed Racer, The Da Vinci Code. So I've done a lot of work like that. And um, it just it got to a point after I did uh, several Little Big Planet games okay. uh, where I just felt like I had something that I could I could share with the rest of the community. And I sort of felt a responsibility to uh, to talk about some of the things I've learned. Excellent. So how long did it take you to write? Oh, well, actually, I think it took uh, close to two years, um, all told, uh, with the research and with the writing of it. And the MIT Press was incredibly supportive. They have a wonderful um, infrastructure with peer review and with editing. So it's it's a really high-quality process that they go through, and it was very exciting for me. Excellent. And and, and so what sort of stuff can we learn from the book? Well, um, it talks just... It starts with the uh, creative process of being a video game composer, which is very different from, you know, making music for something like television and film. Why? Um, well, with, when you're creating music for video games, you are thinking about music in an interactive way. So the music has to be able to be essentially deconstructed and broken down into all these component parts, which can then be juggled into different combinations. It can be reordered to, um, to play out in different sequences, or it can be combined in different ways so that the overall mix of instruments can be lessened or can be broadened and depending upon what's happening in the game that's what makes music um, for a video game so exciting because it seems to be telling your story it seems to comment on what you're doing in the game as it goes along and that's just very exciting as a composer because I feel like I have a chance to have a dialogue with the players and to really uh, interact with them on a very emotional level to help them to really experience and enjoy the world that the game developers have created. I noticed that you're doing a signing, Winifred. Yes. Um, Tomorrow on the 19th at the GDC bookstore from 1pm to 2pm I'm going to be signing copies of A Composer's Guide to Game Music, so uh, please come and I will be so happy to meet everyone who has bought the book already. There's a great community that's been forming around the book. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, on Facebook, people have been taking pictures of themselves, selfies, when they um, when they receive the book in the mail. And they'll take a picture of themselves with the book. Right. And then I'm just having a great time just posting them to my Facebook page. And everybody's passing them around. And there's this great conversation about game audio and game music. It's a really tight community. And we're very excited about what we do so, so who's, who's, who's doing it well at the moment would you say um, I, I'm sorry what? who's doing it well who's, like, so some fine examples of, of game music that you've 
been particularly oh, gosh, impressed there's, with? There's so much wonderful game audio and game music that's been going on lately. Of course, everyone is incredibly impressed with the work on games like Journey and The Last of Us and um, things like that. It, it has really created an impression, but I think it's p- part of it is the ability of music like that to really integrate itself fully into the game and, and the, the complementary way in which the audio components and the gameplay components really interact. I think that's what makes great game audio really work. It complements the action. So I think there's been a lot of great experimentation on that side of things. Um, and, you know, I've tried to, in my own work, to uh, be inspired by, by what everyone else is doing and to create music that really underlines and enhances the action of the game. Yeah, have you got any like tips for indie developers who, you know, they're making their game, they're thinking, well, I, obviously music's important in my game, but I'm not so good at this? I mean, what, what do they do in that circumstance? Well, um, I know when on one of the projects that I worked on, uh, The Moth or Twisted Pixel Games, that was their first project, and they were essentially very much an indie. It was their, They were really starting out, so one of the things that they did, uh, because some of the members of the team had worked with me when they were at High Voltage, we did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory together, so they understood my working process, and so when they were getting involved in this for the first time, and this was a very new thing for them, they essentially let me kind of take the reins, because I had some experience. And I think if I had any um, advice for indie developers who were thinking about um, how are they going to expand what their game can achieve musically, is to look for someone who has a certain amount of experience to be able to guide them. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be um, someone who is has a huge roster of games under their belt, but I do think that if the game composer is completely new and the indie developer is very uncertain, it can be difficult for everybody. You know, somebody has to be able to bring a little bit of experience to the mix and say, okay, uh, in, in my past projects, I've noticed that if we take this approach that it may work best with the, um, the gameplay mechanic that we're talking about here. So um, I think that that is probably a good path to take for an indie developer. Excellent. Well, best of luck with the book and the signing and all of that sort of stuff. It's been really nice to meet you. Oh, thank you so much. Hope it goes well. Stay in touch. And uh, we should take pictures of ourselves with the book, shouldn't we, for the Facebook? <laughs> Can we do that? <laughs> Excellent. Welcome back to One Life Left versus Gama Sutra. Another new guest in the mix. It's Eric Zimmerman. Hello, Eric. Hello. Hello. You sat down and Anna left. <laughs> um, Is that what's going on? Are you trying to establish I'm some not. kind of cause-effect relationship I'm, there? I'm just pointing out the facts. <laughs> well, look, we're talking about games, game design. That's all about actions and effects. Okay. Right? So, so you sit down. Anna must leave. Bye, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Eric, tell us what you're doing this GDC. Um, I am curating, once again, the Doing It on the Table exhibit of board games designed by video game designers. That's one of the things I'm doing. Um, You can find that in the third floor of the West Hall. And we have eight games that were created by people that make video games, but these are all tabletop games of one sort or another. So are they, are they generally different games made by video games people? Traditional tabletop games, have you found? That's a good question. Um, it, there's really a range of games there, so I, I don't, I'm not sure that, that, uh, that there's anything that would distinguish them 
from your average core sample of tabletop games, there's really light and fast games like Mary Flanagan's Buffalo that can take you five or ten minutes to play. Um, on the other hand, we actually have a uh, hex-based old-school war game ah, cool. by David Westman that, right. that looks at a theoretical conflict between China and Taiwan, China right. invading Taiwan. I think of that game as like the the sort of the the smelly cheese on the buffet table. You know, it's not for everybody, but it's a certain kind of very deep and refined taste. So, if you if you want to go for that kind of thing, excellent. What so what so what games is as uh, what games did David make? Uh, David Westman. Yeah, yeah. It's this. Uh, it's it's the war game. It's no, called... no. Sorry, what was his video game? Oh, he is. Uh, I don't. I haven't memorized the bios of all of okay. these people. I know he's. Do actually... you want to come back on tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> when right. it seems like you've done your job properly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah. Once I get paid for this, yeah, I'll consider right. it a job. How about that? Uh, he's a he's a uh, industry veteran, and he's. Um, He's actually an instructor now, okay. uh, teaching game design to, to students. Um, but and then there's other weird experiments there as well. For example, um, uh, there's an awful singing game, isn't there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, horrible! Yes, carry yeah, no. uh, cards. Yeah. yeah. By uh, Holly Gramazzo and and, and Steve St- Cohen, Car- yes, yeah. yeah. Well, and what, 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 what yeah. yeah who, no, who the hell knows uh, <laughs> exactly. what, he, what he's up how's to that? How's that? Days. How's that going down? Well, that's you know that that's a that's a game where you have to get up in front of people uh-huh. and sing. Yep. Uh, so you can imagine that game developers are just flocking to humiliate <laughs> themselves in front of each other. Um, but you know that's a good example of sort of video game thinking, right? Yep. I mean that there's a, there's some designers thinking about. Here's here's a context that we haven't um, ever seen before, which is a, a karaoke in, in terms of making it into a game context or a place you can play or interact yeah. beyond just karaoke. So in that sense, you know, they're trying to figure out how can we insert play into context where we might not uh-huh. normally have that. So that that's a good example of maybe video game design. Thinking. Yeah, yeah. So what so what's the atmosphere over there like then? Is it is it diff- different uh, sort of showing off video games? Um, well, it's social for one thing. I mean, a lot of video games are social, uh-huh. local, local multiplayer games. But tabletop games are kind of the original multiplayer yeah, yeah, game, right? Yeah. I mean, they have a few thousand years of history yeah. on us working in the video games arena. So uh, it's it's a it's a very uh, lively place. People are sitting at tables together, cool. um, playing games, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's it's really a, a, like a lounge, right? So it's just a place where you can go and hang out, sit down, and play some games. And this is the first year that tabletop games. Second year. Oh, second year. Okay, yeah, sorry. second year. Yeah, GDC asked me to curate it. I was really happy, happy to do so. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it'll turn into another GDC tradition. Well, one day it could be its own separate show, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'm. Yeah, hopefully I'm. I'm not going to be running it at that. Okay. But, but the, speaking of traditions, the other thing I'm doing at GDC is the rant session. This is right. our tenth, tenth anniversary, and we've still not the, got it out of us yet. Uh, We're still angry. Oh no! Yes. It gets, no, it just gets worse every year. So, think, yeah. so have you looked after that for ten years? Yeah, Jason Della Roca and okay, I, yeah, right. for ten years running, have have run these sessions where we don't tell people what to rant about. Yeah. We sometimes we theme the kind of people that we bring up, uh-huh. just game journalists or just publishers. This year for the for the tenth anniversary rant session, it is just um, uh, uh, the best from our last ten years. So it's just a whole weird, wild right. mix of different. And are they doing the same rants? No, no, they're okay. not. No. Oh, okay. They're definitely upgrading it for today. <laughs> so, but, so, yeah. so, 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 how have the rants changed over ten years? Well, I actually, for my introduction to this session, I've never given a rant before, okay. but I'm giving a little introductory one. Um, 
that it looks at the top 10 rants of 2005, which right. was our first year, and sort of comparing them to where we are today. In okay. terms of the, and it, it turns out that some of the rants we really can't do anything you know a- anymore to promote they kind of don't hold water anymore i mean some of the rants that are on the list are things like um where are all the indie games right right yeah. because I, I, it's hard to imagine but 10 years ago the idea of independent games was almost more theory than practice right yeah. we sort of like the sound of the term but there wasn't steam there wasn't facebook there, there you know the the igf was like a, a couple years old yeah the, Indiecade was was uh, like a hole in a condom, right? It was sort of to launch later that year. It was sort of a, you know, things were in a very early larval state. Um, now, ten years later, it's like you're going to shoot yourself if you hear indie again. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, everything is indie. The big console publishers are getting into indie yeah, games, yeah. right? So, so um, yeah, things have changed. On the other hand, there are other things that haven't changed. Like there were people on that first rant ranting about sexism in the game industry, yeah, 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 yeah. in games. And that stuff, I think, has gotten more visibility, but it certainly is not something that's gone away. Yeah, yeah. Right? So so there's a mix of stuff in looking back over 10 cool. years of ranting. What would you say makes a good rant? Oh, I think uh, good rants are, are short, concise, okay. and they're performed. Right. Right? I mean, rant, rant is a, it's a kind of a theater to give a good rant. So uh, it's not about uh, calmly reading through PowerPoint slides and... Uh, uh, in fact, there may not be any slides at all, but it you know it takes a certain fire and passion. Has to come from within, you know? <laughs> yeah, like like any good theater. So when's that one? That one is happening on Thursday at uh, what during, time? during the main conference. Okay. Oh, you really want some details? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah um, I want to come along. Um, that I believe is happening Thursday, eleven uh, thirty. Excellent. Yeah, 11:30. we should go along to that, shouldn't we? Uh, yeah. We'll be there. We'll be shouting in the yeah, audience. Exactly. Yeah, the Why weren't yeah. we invited exactly. to yeah, rubbish? You don't know how to exactly. rant. Amazing. Excellent. Good luck with it all. Thank you very uh, much. We'll pop over and see the tabletop stuff and come and uh, sing. And yeah, stuff. Do, yeah, do yeah. some singing and absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Right. Thanks for coming on the show. You're listening to One Life Left. We're a radio show about video games, but right now we're also a podcast versus Gama Sutra. We're joined by Ben Cousins. Hello, Ben. Hello. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. Ben, we've got a bone to pick with you. You were meant to be a guest last year on the radio show. Was I? And I encountered you walking away from where we were. <laughs> um, yeah, last year I was being handled by a very capable PR manager, so okay. I'm going to hand the responsibility <laughs> for that over to her. Uh, so what, are you, are you being handled by anybody at the moment? No, I'm, I'm free. Okay. I'm free this GDC. You can tell just, how it is. Just to hang out and do my talk, and I'm not shilling any product this year. So, so, that's, so uh, tell us about your talk. It's got a really interesting title. Yeah, my talk is called um, Is Your Business Model Evil? Uh, the moral mo- moral maze of the new games business. I'm basically exploring this idea that um, the industry is moving, qu- uh, changing so quickly um, that you know new- there's new business models and new companies cropping up all the time, and a lot of people are questioning the ethics. I think you know uh, of some of these new business models, which I think is completely right. And I just kind of start off by looking at free to play, and then I'm sort of looking at everything out there. You know, I talk about early access and some of the potential pitfalls there, and. Um, you know, Kickstarter and, and, and you know some of the some of the potential pitfalls and that, and also I go back and look at the arcade business, and I'm trying to sort of create like a an ethical map of the whole industry to see because I think it's a, it, I think it's great that the industry is questioning itself for the first time because it used to be government and right. uh, governing bodies and yeah, consumer yeah. protection agencies would would question the industry, and it's good that we're looking at ourselves from from within, which is it's an interesting time in that respect. So who's 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 doing it well at the moment? Would you say? 
who's doing it sort of well. In terms of good practice. That's a difficult one to answer because there's what I what I encountered in my talk in my kind of research and I spoke to a lot of companies is a lot of the companies that have a, a good ethical reputation and I won't name any names but there's lots of companies who sell themselves in the free to play business as as not necessarily being exploitative and and targeting a particular type of game or with particular mechanics when you look at their actual game design and some of the metrics around them they're pretty much the same as everyone else so I think it's the interesting thing about the the new games business is that everyone's holding their cards very hard close to their chest and it's very difficult to kind of chip through the PR uh-huh. and actually find out who is um, doing some dodgy stuff. It is, I mean, it, it, it is an interesting time. I think we, uh, as we increasingly move towards free-to-play and driving prices down, that sort of thing, there are inevitably questions to be made. But um, I, I've got my mum come to stay, who's staying with me at the moment. She lives in Florida. She's over back in the UK. That's why part of the reason I've come here. But for the first time ever, she is playing games. She's yeah. playing Candy Crush and Farm Hero Saga. And she'll, she'll, she'll come back. She's over because two of my sisters have had uh, children, so she's over visiting the grandchildren. She'll come back in the evening. She'll just sit, she'll behave how I used to. Yeah. Is where she'll come in and sit yeah. down and just play video games. Yeah. And I like, treat this place like a hotel. You do so. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is interesting that we are you know, sort of only now bringing in bringing in new people. Yeah, and kind of one of my arguments actually later in the talk is that maybe maybe what scares the industry is that fact. That like the goalposts are moving so far and so fast that the games industry, as we kind of grew up with it as kids, is 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 not there anymore. And it's like, holy crap! Like, what? How you know? How may how am I going to understand even what a game is in in yeah. this kind of current era? Because my mother's the same. She plays. Uh, what does she play all the time? I think she's playing Candy Crush quite right. a lot. Yeah, and it is interesting. You mentioned the arcade era. I mean, obviously, of course, then that was the the purest form of extracting money from players, yeah. wasn't it? The yeah. Lives were yeah. are a hangover from from that time into yeah. into more into yeah. more money. But I I don't remember the questions then. Yeah, the industry was probably too small. Right. Uh, to, but yeah, one of the things I look at is what business models um, have like time limited pressure on consumers and one of free to play does that right where uh you know you might only be able to play for a certain amount of time before you have to you know run out of lives or you run out of energy and you've got to spend money the arcade used to flash 10 seconds how much of a hard sell oh, of course that's yeah, the, yeah. the hardest sell of all time right. is to keep playing get, put some money in and then you know kickstarters have like time limited um campaigns and you know early access there's like a a lot of these kind of um psychological tricks are being used kind of across um, different business models but I think what upsets people about free to play is game design and commerce sitting together uh, and I think that's a legitimate concern because no one else is really doing that Excellent, well I'm I'm looking forward to your talk Um, and what are you doing outside of your talk, what are you up to these days? We, uh, well I've been running the studio building free to play shooters on mobile for for three years and um, we just just soft launched a, a new product like a week ago Okay. and it's so soft that I'm not even going to mention the name I've been tweeting about it but I'm not going right. to I don't want to draw attention to it so okay. we, we've Well got, you're on the right radio show for yeah. that Yeah exactly, so this, this is why I chose to speak about yeah. it here like, um, But yeah, we, we, at DNA we had an ex, we wanted to do three shooters, three free to play mobile shooters, we did one called The Drowning which was like a mid-core game, we did a game called Lawless which was a very casual shooter and we're trying to produce like a shooter on mobile for a real core audience and that's what the new product is and it should be live worldwide in the next few weeks okay cool okay thanks very much cheers
to One Life Left versus Gamasutra. Uh, we are live at GDC 2014. We're still in Moscone North at the bottom of the escalators. What do you see, Anne? Uh, do you know what I keep seeing in front of me? Um, so there's a large screen, sort of um, raised screen ab- above us that is showing um, a lot of uh, award nominees. Uh, for the award show and I keep seeing uh, Don't Starve up there and it's making me feel very stressed <laughs> because that game stressed me out quite a lot um, so yeah that's what I've been seeing a lot of there's some people in front of us people are milling around looking at the conference at a glance um, bored <laughs> but if I turn to my left I can also see our next guest hello would hello you like, would you like to introduce yourself oh I suppose so um, I'm Kelly Santiago uh, of many things in game development. Um, partner in Indie Fund, head of develop- developer relations at Ouya, formerly co-founder of that game company, developer of Journey. Yeah, that covers almost everything. <laughs> many hats. <laughs> yeah. So how's it going? Good. What, so you're at Ouya currently, are you? Yes. How, yeah, so how is that? It's really exciting. I was just working on my, I have a talk tomorrow afternoon um, called My Year at Ouya. It's actually Julia Ehrman, the CEO, emailed me today of that it is my one year anniversary today. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. They can now, well, if, if you're in the UK, they'd find it very difficult to get rid of you. Is that, is that <laughs> is the that same true? over here? What are your employment no. rights? Okay. <laughs> we have no employment rights. Okay, well, still, still be careful then, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. You can never, yeah, you can never rest easy. So, a year, yeah. So, how's it gone? Is, yeah. As expected? Uh, n- no, but I, I don't think a startup ever is. You know, it's about um, reading the, the market. And once Ouya went, so it was about a year ago that we started shipping the first Kickstarter units. And then in last June um, was when it hit retail. And so, I mean, much like uh, launching a, a beta of the game, that's when we really started getting lots of feedback from developers and players because they were actually using it and we were seeing the cycle and so um, what's been really crazy and kind of awesome about Ouya is that it's it's really 35 people at the company right. total um, that's it <laughs> I'm trying to make a console in a, in a developer ecosystem and so um, so we can uh, but the upside of that is that we can respond really fast and iterate really rapidly and and on that it's just been a pretty crazy year um, so what have you learned then in the in the year yeah well so what I've learned especially coming from development and really I mean in, in indie fund there's some sort of dapple into that other side of financing games but being on the uh, kind of a publisher side now um, it's really been illuminating working with so many developers and I say the big thing I've learned this last year is that now more than ever there are just so many types of developers and not just in the kinds of people but the reasons people make games you know it's not just about uh, a, a commercial venture anymore, um, although that certainly still exists. And it's not about being famous, although that certainly still exists. But there are people that um, just want to try out new ideas or just make games because the activity of making games is an end in and of itself. Um, and I think um, that's kind of what I'm talking about tomorrow is that Ouya is well-placed for to reach that variety of developer. Because it's, it's, it's recently changed tack, hasn't it, Ouya? It's, it's, it's gone from being exclusively hardware to um, moving on to other formats. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So they just announced the Ouya Everywhere initiative, which is about taking the, the Discover store and the platform of Ouya, but allowing it to exist on other Android devices. So when, yeah. so when, so. when can we expect to see more on that? 
I don't know. Could you, could you ask somebody? Maybe one of the, uh, the 34 <laughs> other people? <laughs> it's a moving target, is okay. what I said. Well, the, the announcement came with, um, uh, you know... Um, Mojo is the first device that it's going to be running on, right. their, their new yeah. hardware. Yeah. Uh, and so that's also going to be acting as a bit of a testbed um, as well. And I think it's just a matter of how fast it can be put on as many devices as possible. Right. Yeah, I've had a brief play on a Mojo control on a console, and yeah, they they're pretty impressive, aren't they? Yeah, it's really neat. I mean, it's it's. I, mean, I shouldn't be surprised by this stuff because of. Uh, Moore's Law and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, the power that yeah, but the power that these dongles are are, are pumping out is uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's beginning to to rival proper consoles. So do we do we think that's it for consoles? Do we think they're going to be we're going to move to smaller and smaller? Or no, I mean you know it's like the the television wasn't the immediate death of movie theaters, and maybe arguably it was very slow. It's still in a slow death, but um, but I think there's it's similar where there's certainly still a thriving market for. Um, for immersive, um, 3D-rich, high-end games, you know. And I, I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Kelly, you mentioned ideas earlier. How do you have an idea? Because <laughs> we're really struggling with this concept at the moment, and because we can't think of ideas, we can't solve it. <laughs> Can you recommend any way of, uh, of sparking that creative flow within us? Oh, um, I mean, I hear if you just, like, look at the App Store, you can just, you know, <laughs> copy stuff, and See, that's okay. about, yeah, that's a good place. Maybe we could do <laughs> that in the shower. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just to explain Steve's slightly sinister comment there, um, <laughs> like, people have suggested that the best way to come up with an idea is to take it, is to have a shower. You didn't know that. <laughs> so you just walked in. So when Steve suggests having yeah. a shower, that's, that's the reason why, okay? I don't think showers not... can be sinister. I mean, <laughs> I suppose in Psycho they're quite sinister. Right, yeah. I take it. <laughs> I Welcome back to One Life Left live at GDC. We've been doing this for a while now. Uh, the conference floor is still full of people milling around video screens with the latest in interactive entertainment, including Don't Starve, which terrifies Anne. And we have a new guest. Hello. Hi. Hi. Do you want to introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, sure. I'm Brenda Romero. Hi, Brenda. What brings you to GDC? Oh, jeez. <laughs> 
I, it's an annual pilgrimage. Um, I don't know, I've been coming to GDC for a really long time. So I'm, I'm here this year to speak a few times. Uh, and then my husband is deathmatching over in the West Hall. Still undefeated as of right now. Wow. What's he playing? Doom. Okay. Doom, because he has something to do exactly. with Doom, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what are you speaking about, Brenda? Um, I'm giving several talks. Um, I guess the big one is uh, Jiro Dreams of Game Design, which is about the way many of us felt when we got into this industry. Like, we wanted to make something great. We wanted to make great games. But somewhere along the way, many of us end up working on mediocre stuff and stuff that we don't really feel incredibly passionate about. And how do we get... How do we get out of that? How do we get back to feeling passionate about something, even if we're on teams of 400 people? So, um, you know, it's part of, I guess, my journey. You know, it's something that I had to go through myself. Um, and it's inspired by Jiro Dreams of Sushi, that movie about the, uh, the master sushi maker who's a three-star Michelin chef. And I've been studying Michelin chefs for the last three years. And, and this is a group of people who want to be absolutely as great as they can possibly be and they need to ship every day and there's tremendous parallels between what they do and what we do. A chef leads a team of people to create a product and we lead a team of people to create a product. It takes us two years sometimes and it takes them, you know, many times they do it over uh, over the course of a night. Uh, but that's the big talk that I'm giving. Um, what's the most delicious video game? <laughs> Um, delicious video game. Wow, that's a great question. So there's two video games that I, right now, I mean, maybe the answer would be different in a year, but I have two core addictions. One is FTL. And in order to take a break from FTL, I trade off to another drug that I've had for a while, which is uh, Civilization Revolution. And I tend to go between the two of them. Um, if I had to say just overall beautiful buffet level, it's probably <laughs> Minecraft or World of Warcraft. I mean, there's... What, what do you want in a game? You can get anything you want out of those too. You're a GDC veteran. Uh, what tips would you give to people for making good GDC presentations? Uh, oh, for making good GDC presentations? Mm. Um, well, I mean, they vary speaker to speaker, right? Like I know some speakers who, who obsessively rehearse until they could give the talk in a coma, basically. Um, I am not one of those people. If I rehearse my talk... It makes me more anxious, and I think I'm going to end up being flat. I know what I'm going to say, or I know the rough idea. Um, I, For me, I have to go see the room that I'm going to be speaking in before. Like I, I will go to it and see it as soon as I humanly can. What do you do in the room? Do you pace around it? No, measure I don't. You know, it out, imagine the future. Here's the ridiculous part about it. It almost always ends up backfiring, right? Because I'll go to the room, and inevitably it'll be a barn, this giant drafty place with what feels like a million chairs and then I become anxious like my god nobody's going to come it's never going to be full you know and so I end up terrorizing myself so I don't know why I do it so maybe you shouldn't do what I do but I well also you, you, uh, you're doing more than one talk I am right yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm doing um, so the other one I'm doing uh, I'm moderating with, along with Lee Alexander I'm moderating number one reason to be which is a celebration of diversity in the industry and man people should of all the talks man, that is one of the can't miss talks in this, in, in this conference I've seen the talks in advance um, because I'm putting it together. And holy cow, are they just incredibly moving and inspirational. I'm giving a talk, a four-minute talk this year that has me terrified. I'm seriously, I'm, I'm scared to give it. I've never been afraid to give a talk, ever. And I'm terrified to give this talk. Why are you so scared? <laughs> so we'll just keep talking, so I'm not going to say it on the air. <laughs> I'm not going to say it on the air, but I'll show you this one of the slides in the talk. <laughs> um, 
So don't say it on the end. You can't say it on the air either. Oh, okay. Promise? Oh, I'll promise. All right. All right. So this is this is kind of the theme of the talk. Hold on. I'm just trying to get it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't think we can say that on air. Okay, so... I think can we, we can take ex- a picture of you holding that up? <laughs> <laughs> so don't say anything. But that's the, that's the theme, um, and it's, uh, it's in relation to something that has happened to too many people. Um, you know, and having been in the industry and being fortunate enough to own my own company, I can't really be fired. <laughs> and I've already, you know, I've already, I've made enough games. Um, I still want to make more games, but I, somebody's got to say something, you know. And so it it, it falls on the shoulders of uh, people who can say stuff. So, so when are you going to be saying that? I will be setting myself on fire um, <laughs> uh, at eleven thirty on Thursday. It's, wow! It's the GDC apocalypse rant. So, oh, okay, right, right. It's the rants. Yeah. Right. We should just listen for the gasps. Yeah. <laughs> we had Eric on earlier, and he was telling us about. Yeah. So we're, we're going to be going along, oh, and we will be gasping when you say that. Well, and I would yeah. get your beeps ready. That's right. Because you'll need your beeps. Okay. Thank you so much yes. for joining us on the Good show. Good luck with it all. Yeah. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll see you around the show. All right. Crikey, Brenda Romero. Uh, I'm looking forward to her talk. Yeah, it looks really good. With those words. I don't think she's talking. I think she's (laughs) ranting. Uh, It's gone pretty well, hasn't it? Mike, have you had a good time? Yeah, you had some good guests, didn't you? Did have some good guests, yeah. Good job Um, on that. What have we learned? I think that we've learned that the key to a successful GDC rant is to have an absolutely shocking, shocking (laughs) slide. And we've learned to take showers. Do you you have a a whiteboard in the shower, though? That seems like the next logical step. Wouldn't that just wipe clean, though? Calm yourself down, Mike. Steady on. Don't be so filthy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for helping us uh, host the show. No worries. Uh, Are you coming back to do some more? I can do. Don't mind. We'll be back here on Wednesday at 1pm and Thursday as well and then we'll be doing another show on Friday but until that point in time uh, we have been One Life Left this has been One Life Left versus Garma Sutra live from GDC 2014 and we will see you soon Bye. 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 See ya.